in Lubbock wow. because Texas Tech Monday night will be playing for the national championship. Welcome one, welcome all to the Tortillas and Takes podcast powered by Guns Up Nation. You are on once again with your boy, I'll be sure. And this week, we have the Florida International Panthers coming to Jones AT&T Stadium in Lubbock, Texas. And so, of course, I had to have my right-hand man, Dylan Smythe, on the ones and twos with us. What's going on, Dill? Oh, you know, just uh, trying to um, get past last week, just like the Texas Tech football team, I'm sure. Yeah, I mean, this is really, like, there was a lot more riding on this game than we anticipated after just a terrible, terrible showing uh, in, a, in the 28 to 22 victory over SFA, FIU is a better team than SFA. FIU. So if we come out the same way we did against SFA, hell, we could lose this game, which is crazy to even think about. Yeah, I mean, yeah, going into the week one, I think you would have asked either of us if there was any chance we lose this game. We say no. You know, we both penciled this one like we penciled in the last one as a dub, and uh, Texas Tech has shown we should not be too eager to pencil in those dubs. So really, Texas Tech has shown that we played down to competition a lot. I mean, it, or actually, in the Matt Wells era, I think that's one thing is we really played down to competition. Last the last two years, uh, we had lost to Kansas and then almost had Kansas beat us again last year. We had the HBU game last year, and then now we now we already have the SFA game this year. We really have a habit of playing down to competition. And FIU is another competition that should be an easy dub, but we may play down to. FIU, and since in, in the new decade, since the beginning of 2020, has a record of one and six. They went 0-5 last year in the COVID-shortened year. Their one win this year has been against a very, very poor Long Island University team. Um, and so this FIU team isn't that good. They have a familiar name at head coach and Butch Davis, but there's still a team that should be an easy W for tech, but we just can't Hang our hat on that anymore. First of all, how is Butch Davis still coaching? I th- I think we talked about it pre-pod. I was very surprised. I was like, wait a second. Butch Davis? Anyways. <laughs> Somebody got to coach FIU. But yes. That's, that's, <laughs> yeah, someone's got to do it. But they called up Butch and was like, hey, you busy? <laughs> like, you want to come down to Florida a little bit? Like, Just hang give out, it a shot. You know, during your yeah. retirement. We'll give you a shot. It's nice. Palm trees, good weather. Yeah. But uh, no, it's just it's this is the team again that should be an easy W. Tech's doing everything they did last week, pulling out all the stops. Last week it was Shaq. This week it's Walk a Flock of Flame. Uh, they're trying to really bring everybody to really pack out the Jones for what is an important year to show the prowess of Texas Tech football from the stand fan point or viewpoint and how many fans we can get to the stadium from the amount of people that we can get watching the game. And but unfortunately, the third part of this is the football team needs to show that they're a winning football team. Beating SFA 20-22 is not going to do it, and they really have got to bounce back this week. Matt Wallace has looked pissed all week, which is a good sign. I, this, he's he's not a guy that usually looks pissed in, me in, in interviews, and all week he's looked pretty pissed. Um, probably the most upset I've ever seen him in a post-game conference was, or in a post-game uh, interview was after the game last week. So that's, that's a sign that at least he is seeing the same things we're seeing and hopefully that means that the team as a whole is going to smack FIU in the mouth uh, this Saturday. Yeah, hopefully we're the team that that beat Houston in a, ri- a gritty win on in Houston, or we're the team that could barely beat SFA. Yeah. So let's start off talking about the quarterback spot, where I am being known as a Tyler Shuck apologist 
um, because I did not give him a big uh, a lot a big blame for last week's loss. Um, I thought both of his interceptions were meh. I put a lot more bigger more of the blame on the O line. However, you thought he played pretty awfully. What do you how, do you think he bounced back, or do you think he bounces back? in this game against FIU or are we going to see more of I uh I'm hoping maybe this is just the optimistic Texas Tech fan of me I'm hoping that last week was a fluke and and I really do think it was a fluke so I am looking for a a bounce back game and I think you mentioned a little bit I think this is going to be a really important game for Tyler Shuck you know I think he he could use a confidence booster after last week uh we saw him make mistakes that kind of uh, were troubling coming from Oregon. So we need him to slip out of that that rut and, and be the quarterback who we all kind of thought he was going to be coming into this year. Yeah, I mean, the first game against Houston, he was really accurate, played well within the system, played well within the offense. We took shots downfield. And in the second half of the game, we loved how the offense was humming. We did not see that whatsoever. Uh, against SFA, and a lot of it was because I bl- again I blame Cumbie in the O line more than anybody else. It was a very predictable offense. Uh, we really try to force it into one player. I would like to see the ball spread around more. I think Shuck is a has the ability to do that. Also, um, great thing that was brought up by RC Mayfield over the week was RPO. Where is that? Shuck's actually athletic. We have a great running game. The O line can't do anything else. They can run block. So an RPO actually is is perfect in that scenario, and it frees up your star receiver. In an RPO, when you're worrying about whether this is a run to the core running back, run to the quarterback, or potential pass, it's a lot tougher to try to stick to Eric Azukanma when you really don't know what's going on. So if you're really trying to force it into one guy, that's the best way to do it. And also, it's going to free up guys like Miles Price, like um, Mannix, to because of the option aspect of it. Um, it just gives you a lot of opportunities on the field, a lot of options for Tyler well, Shuck, and uh, I would love two, to see two things games. here. Though I think uh, when you watch Tyler Shuck's tape at Oregon, when he had games where he was balling out, it was RPO heavy. There was a lot of run game going in there, a lot of QB run. So yeah, it would make a lot of sense. I think it's a great point you said, RC. It's great, great point by RC. And then I think you also look at. Um, you, I like to defend Matt Wells a little bit. Everyone's complaining that we haven't spread out the ball, and he addressed this question at his press conference. When we only run 40 plays a game on offense, and when the run game is going really, really well like it has, it's hard to spread the ball. That's fair. That is fair. However, but you want to see it. You want to see passes it. And at least 20... 21 passes and roughly at least 12 yeah. of them. And, and we've play. got a lot right? of playmakers so like just doing nothing, you know? Exactly. Exactly. So I get it. Easy is an incredible receiver, one of the best in the country, but we also have other good receivers too. And the best way to free up easy is having the ball spread out a little bit more. Um, and I think Chuck's capable of doing it, but I definitely want to see him run the, run the RPO. And I want to see Cumbie kind of not get in his own way, right? Cumbie, I know you, I know a lot of times Cumbie thinks he's the smartest man in the room. Kind of got to humble yourself a little bit and let what works work. So I, but I, but I do think Chuck's a capable quarterback. I think he's a good quarterback. He's got to prove it. I think this is a perfect game for him to prove it. Um, so let's talk about that O-line that has struggled in two games. Right? As, of, as of this point, it is the weakest section on the team, including even as much as we talked about the secondary last year and earlier in this offseason, the O-line has proven to be the weak link on the entire team, especially on that right side, especially on pass pro. 
are we going to have another problem with this O-line in this game? Uh, I, I think yes. I, I think we're going to have problems with this O-line all year, unfortunately, based off what I've seen. Um, you would think that this defensive line would be a little better than... Um, than SFA's was, even though SFA had, you know, like some like former Big 12 talent on that defensive line, you would think this defensive line would be better collectively. Um, I have noticed they do. I mean, they have seven sacks and 12 tackles for loss in two games, this FIU defense. So that that concerns you a little bit because that tells you these guys live in the backfield. And, you know, if O-line is a concern for you and you read that stat, it should it should uh, cause you some nightmares. Yeah, what's more concerning is most of that most of those plays are against Texas State last week. It wasn't against LIU, it was against Texas State, which Texas State and FIU are on the same level. Um, and this is the same Texas State team that barely lost to Baylor. They lost to Baylor 29-20, came back and beat FIU, but beat FIU in overtime. In that game, the FIU D, uh, front seven forced uh, four sacks and, and nine tackles for loss. So this front seven is one that's going to be a little bit more aggressive, going to be able to get after it. And yes, it is better than SFA. So the fact that they, the Tex O-line struggled against SFAs is a little worrisome. My, my, and again, I'm going to kind of come down on Cumbie a little bit, is that you know the O-line struggles. You have to do things to help them out a little bit in pass pro. One, Travis Koontz's best role is in pass pro, is, is in blocking. It's not as a pass catcher. We know as Travis Coons has the tight end. We know that his big thing is he's a big ugly and he's going to be able to pass the ball, a former left tackle or a former tackle. Use that guy as a former tackle. What is he doing going out for passes all the time when we're just getting killed on the O-line? Give Shuck time to be able to pass the ball against his D-line. That's a lot better than the ones we saw last week. Yeah. Um, yeah. You just, you want to see a little creativity. I know you're, as an offensive coordinator, you're probably looking to hide some stuff until conference play. Well, we need we need to see a little bit more at this point. Yeah, for sure. So some of the big guys that we're going to have to look out for on FIU's front seven. Um, one guy that I want to talk about because he was really big in the game last week was Devon Strickland. Um, tackler extraordinaire. Uh, defensive tackle. If a D, when a DT gets seven tackles, two and a half tackles for loss in one game, you know he means business. Um, and and so that's one guy that we're gonna have to look out for, especially in the interior. Uh, another guy that's gonna be pretty big is Jamal Gates, who's kind of their blitzing linebacker as well, plays on the outside a little bit, very athletic player. And so those are the guys that are really gonna come after this tackle line and really try to cause havoc from the FIU side of things. Yeah, and the only other player I might add to that list is Daniel Jackson, one of their pass rushers. Fifth-year senior, you know, super senior, COVID senior, whatever you want to call it. Um, and, and they seem to have a lot of those on their team, which uh, if you've listened to our, our previous podcasts, we're convinced every team just has a bunch of them. So I don't know how much stock to put yeah. into it. This is very – this is really just – this year has really become just a minor league – professional minor league NFL because everybody is 23, 24 instead of going up against 19, 20 year olds. And this FIU team is no different. A lot of veterans, especially on the defensive side of the ball. Um, and, and this defense is, I mean, like two games in, they've played really well. This isn't the same FIU team from last year that lost five games in a row. I mean, this, this FIU defense is the strength of their, of the team. And I would say, I'd argue that front seven is the strength of their defense. And because so the FIU strength is Tech's weakness, and that is not a good recipe. That's kind of one of the things we saw last week against SFA. That was SFA strength. And so um, that's... Throw it to uh, easy, quickly. Little cause for concern. Throw it to easy, fast. 
For sure. So let's well let's so we've talked about the skill players, talk about easy. Who else are we expecting on tech side to show up from the skill position? I mean, we already know about Todd Brooks running. It sounds like he's gonna be the starting running back again. Um, I don't think Siraj is gonna be playing in this game either. But is there another secondary or is there another skill position player outside of Easy and Brooks that can lighten the load a little bit? You know, I would hope so. And that's what we're waiting to see is who who else is going to contribute on this offense. Um, I think an easy favorite is probably going to be when we haven't seen much of him. But Miles Price, a guy that you and I both like, he's an easy target to get the ball to. He's going to run in the slot a bunch. You know, I, I think you could get the ball to him in creative ways, you know, screens and, and sweeps and things of that nature. So that's someone I hope would get involved in the offense. I, I was a screens. Yes, occasional screens? screens are appropriate every <laughs> now and then. Miles Price on the year has mm. two catches for 14 yards. That is ridiculous. Miles Price is way too good of a receiver. Kalen Geiger is way too good of a receiver for those for those guys to be combined five catches in two games. That's just not that's just unacceptable. We got to be able to get the ball in their hands to be able to spread it out some more. I mean, actually, and I talk about those guys. There's only two other catches by receivers outside of that. Trey Cleveland has one catch, and then Dalton Riggin has one catch, both from the Houston game. So, like, that's that's ridiculous. We have to be able to spread the ball more. There's just way too much talent on this on the skill position not to. But I definitely agree with you when it comes to Miles Price and Kalen Geiger. I mean, even if it's just those three, easy Miles Price and Kalen Geiger to, uh, catching passes, that is two more than what we're currently seeing. And we've got to find a way to just move that around. Yeah. One another name, and so I'm gonna I'm gonna bring up a, another thing is, and I'm not gonna say Coons in, in in general. I do think, like I said, Coons is a great pa- a blocker, but this Texas Tech team talked so much about how we're gonna use the tight end, we're gonna use the tight end, we're gonna use the tight end. Let's use the tight end. Also, and, but my thing is, is that we've talked about it. Coons isn't the best pass catcher, right? So we do have a tight end who yeah, is a legit, yeah, 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 yeah. good pass catcher. Jeremy, I don't want to say it. Mason Tharp. I don't want to say it, but Mason Tharp. Mason Tharp, where is he? What's, what's going on with him? Um, I would love to see him, especially on two tight end sets. I'd like to see that come out a little bit more at the goal line, especially. And let's get him the ball. Let's, uh, um, he's a big, he's a tall guy and catch the ball at the highest point. Let's use him to our, uh, yeah, let's use some. And, and you would think that our success in the run game this far would mean that we could pull off a two tight end set, you know? For sure. For sure. So in the secondary for FIU, um, again, there's really they're very veteran laden, but they don't impress me in their secondary as much as they do their front seven. Uh some big names, uh, Pierce Withers is their nickelback, and he's actually played pretty well um for them. I think that he's somebody that definitely we're gonna uh, want to look out for also Richard Dames their star safety is another one but this secondary though it's smarter though it's a lot of veterans not scary. Yeah, it's interesting to me that that's the group that I think is probably more susceptible you know we mentioned their front seven looks really good however they give up more uh, yards on the run than they do in the passing game at least through the last two games so it's like I don't know what to believe there but I do think you would think that the talent of our wide receivers would blow away the talent that they have at corner. Should should overwhelm them, for sure. For sure, should overwhelm them. They are still looking for their first turnover of the season. Didn't get it against FIU, didn't get or LIU, I should say, didn't get it against Texas State, 
They are looking for their first turnover of the season. Tech, it cannot be you. You cannot be the one giving the ball over. We cannot have any fumbles. Shock, we can't have any interceptions. Even, even uh, throwing punts. Can't have any of it. Got to take care of the ball. I think that was another big reason why the game was so close against us. And and on the flip side, their offense has only given up the ball one and how do you have one and a half turnovers in two games? What is what kind of note is that? <laughs> I look, listen. When it comes to stats, taking if you were recording stats for Florida International versus Long Island University, would you really be accurate? Who, where did I I encountered this in the, my my pod research for SFA? I think the guy had wrote down. On uh, what site was I on? They said that SFA had accounted for like 19 sacks or something ridiculous. Stat sites are outrageous this year. Their offense takes <laughs> cares of the ball is what the point was I was trying to make, but I don't know what one and a half turnovers in two games means. Well, so let's switch it over to that side of the ball, shall we? Uh, let's talk about FIU, their quarterback, Max Bortenschlager. Mm, dude, I-, I could drink a, a nice cold Bortenschlager right now. <laughs> nice i like that uh two he hasn't played bad in two games four touchdowns only that one interception only has taken one sack um has played really well 500 yards in those two games but again a lot of that is inflated from the fi or the fiu liu game um as far as against texas state however again wasn't awful wasn't the reason they lost the game but he methodically would drive, try to drive them down the field. Didn't make a lot of big plays in the game, but they're going to work you down. And we've had that situation happen in the first two games. The quarterbacks that have just been able to tick, 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 and wear our defense down. Borton Schlager is no different. Um, against against Texas State, put up 259 yards and two touchdowns, no interceptions, but only 50% er, 50% completion percentage. So just all right. Yeah, and and that's actually pretty average for Max Bordenschlager. His career percentage sits at about 52% over five years in college football. 20 career starts, and the dude is a 52% completion. So that's an area of concern for, for FIU. That's a, you know, we look at that and we're like, okay, I bet. Um, but yeah, another another fifth-year senior and an experienced player that we've mentioned. They've, they've got experience. Yeah, well, I, but I do think one thing to think about with Max Bortenschlager and, and the O-line in general, he's only been sacked once. Two games, only been sacked once. He's a guy that knows how to avoid the sack. Not the most athletic, but he can run around a little bit in the pocket. He can get outside a little bit in the, uh, and, and get on the run some. And he's good at avoiding sacks. And so I don't I, – I liked – one thing I did like from the SFA game was we brought more pressure than usual. Keep it up. Be consistent in that. Bring more pressure. Um, it doesn't have to be an all-out blitz. We don't got to be the Ravens in an overtime game against the Raiders. <laughs> that, <laughs> But uh, rush four, and I think you'll be able to at least get some pressure on Max Bordenschlager for him to make some of those mistakes, make some of those incompletions. And our secondary is going to be the best thing he's seen all, all year, which is a lot more than I've ever been able to say about a Texas Tech secondary, maybe ever. Yeah, and I think um... – uh, Max Bordenschlager, yeah, he, he doesn't really concern me too much. And I, I do think we want to keep up the pressure, like you mentioned. And I think we want to keep up the pressure because I'm concerned about the run game. They're, they're, uh, they're running backs. Pretty good guy. A fifth-year senior, if you're catching the trend here. <laughs> it's coming off his fourth 100-yard game in a row, if you go back to last year. And this year, he's already got 276 yards and three touchdowns. So that's the strength of their offense right there is Devonta Price running back. 
Yep, Devontae Price uh, had 23 carries against Texas State. Really good. He was, and again, I was talking about how methodical their offense is, and they're able to kind of drive down the field, and it's a lot of it. I, I credit it to Bordenschlager and his control of the offense, but honestly, Price being able to tote that thing is a big reason as well. I mean, five yards per carry against a decent Texas State defense. Um, he, he's going to be the heart and soul of that, this offense, and it's going to be so. But I will say this: the run defense has been pretty good so far. It has been daunting in two games. There's run defense is not the problem the Texas defensive had. If they can shut this one down as well against a team that is relying on the run offense, that I think is going to be more – that's going to show us a little bit more of what to expect in conference play more than anything. I was going to say Devonta Price has never seen a Colin Schooler, but they've both been in college for five years, so there's probably a chance that they have. <laughs> he probably has seen a Colin Schooler. Um, so as far as other skill players for Florida International – uh, Tyrese Chambers, uh, Rivalde Fairweather, some of the receivers, but again, none of them are, none of them really stand out. None of them are really that impressive to me. Bryce Singleton's another one. Tyrese Chambers. I mean, they got, they have some guys, but they're just guys. This is FIU we're talking about. And, and so what you want to see in this game is our corners dominate, right? Like if there's ever a week for our corners to just come out and demolish people because they don't have a guy like what was Xavier Gibson from some SFA. They no, don't have yeah, they don't have a, they don't got a they don't have one of those. So if our corners can cover in this game, it's like, OK, at least they can prove us that they can cover somebody. Hey, we know my boy Ragey Pearson is going to show. Oh, up. yeah. Uh, shout out to Coach Pearson. His dad is always always confident, always optimistic, showing the team, saying the team's going to bounce back. Um, but I, I, I want to see DeMarcus Fields get a pick. I want to see DeMarcus. hasn't gotten one yet. I want to see DeMarcus Fields get a pick in this game. I think this is the game for him to do it. He is going to have the advantage over these FIU receivers. Um, and maybe this will be the game he hauls in that one-handed uh, interception he tried to get against Houston. But I want to see him get it here. Um, I want to see. And then, you know, we. Uh, I want to see Muddy mm-hmm. Waters have a Muddy Waters game. That's another one. That's that's your boy. Yeah, and, and I, I'm not going to say he's been disappointing, but he hasn't flashed like I was really hoping he would. But he's got time. Yeah. He's got time. Got plenty of time. Plenty of time. This is a game that I do think. Um, again, Tech has really got to show it to FIU. We cannot have another 2022 game. This is a game that I think we're going to figure out what was the fluke. Was the fluke Houston, or was the fluke SFA? Right. After Houston, we said this is the team that we thought could go seven and five, eight and four, et cetera. After SFA, Vegas was saying this is a team we thought wasn't going to get to five wins, right? That's the those are the two teams, and we're trying to figure out which is it. This is the game that's going to show us because this is a game. If we come out, we beat this team by three, four touchdowns, even or more. Then okay, this is now we're starting to feel a little bit more confident as we go into to conference play. But if it's a team we struggle with again. And then we're going into te- in the Texas game. I don't know if I feel that's I am about to buy my tickets to go see Texas Tech play in Austin. And I'm going to feel one of two ways about that game after this game, you know. So we'll see what happens. For sure. So, listen, this is what we'll do is we uh, we did not a lot of good. A lot of good Big 12 games happened. We did not get the chance to do our Big 12 recap, but we are going to do a quick one-word predictions for the Big 12 games this week. Um, I know you weren't prepared for it. I didn't tell you. Caught you off by surprise. And then after that, we will have our predictions for this game. So, Dylan, are you ready? Is that your answer? (laughs) I'm going to leave that in there, too. 
<laughs> well, Dylan seems to be ready, so um, let's go ahead and get into it. First things first, West Virginia against 15th-ranked Virginia Tech. Pretty big game for our Mountaineer friends. Who you got in that one? Okay, so really quickly, um, I got Virginia Tech. West Virginia has looked very disappointing after Jeremy's lofty predictions for them. <laughs> Jeremy kind of needs them to win out. He's had 11 wins with his team. Um, the Raspberry Voice kids are not going to be happy with their prediction there. Uh, home game for West Virginia. I do think this game is really close. But Virginia Tech has looked really good. And West Virginia, not so much. So I agree with you. Nebraska at Oklahoma. This is supposed to be the big rivalry that Oklahoma was so pissed that they had to play at 12 o'clock for that made them go to the SEC. Uh, Who do you got in this game? Uh, Speaking of disappointments, Scott Frost. Oh, my goodness. Uh, I got Oklahoma. Oklahoma, big. 22 and a half favorites. I might even go more. Yeah, big. Big for sure. Um, Tulane is a tougher, is a better team than Nebraska. So Nevada at Kansas State. Nevada, though they are a Group of Five team, they always kind of kind of sneak up on you. Ask anybody that was at the Tech Nevada game back in 2012. Uh, who you got in this one? Kansas State Wildcats. Um, I, yeah, I, I can't claim to to have seen Nevada this year, but I saw a little bit of Kansas State play, except. Skylar Thompson out indefinitely, so that'll be interesting. They're they're used to playing without him, but Will Howard's season, he's back again. I did say in the in the preview pod that the Kansas State could be really good if Skylar Thompson can stay healthy and be the quarterback they think he can be, but he just can't stay healthy, it seems. But that being said, K-State should take care of business here with Will Howard. And luckily for them, this is happening to them now before conference play and not during conference play yet anyway. K-State should still win. Uh, Rice against their f- daunting rivals that is Texas. Every year, Texas plays Rice, pays Rice like $500,000 so they can beat Rice up real quick. Um, after Rice just lost to Bayou Bucket to U of H, does Rice bounce back and beat Texas, given their second loss? Texas with a new quarterback week three. Uh, just because it's Rice, they win, but new quarterback. So Casey Thompson was the guy that everybody thought was going to win the job to begin with. Um, He's just not – he's not a pocket passer like Hudson Card is. He's going to run the ball a little bit more, but he's also not as good a thrower as Hudson Card is. So, yes, Casey Thompson's going to look really good against Rice. He's going to blow it away. Everybody's going to say, oh, Texas is back, baby. They just had to get their quarterback situation figured out. We'll see. Texas big in this game, but I don't – I wouldn't take them going forward. Uh, 14th-ranked Iowa State at UNLV. Um, we no longer have this weird rivalry online with the UNLV running Rebels now that we both hate the same guy. So are you picking them in this game? Their fans are still garbage, regardless of the beef not existing anymore. So Iowa State. Iowa State bounce back. They win this game big. It's not as hot. And in an area that's – well, actually, I take that back. It will be very hot down in Vegas. And studies show that Iowa State does not play well in the heat. But I think – they fixed that in this game, beat down UNLV, who's not known to have a good football team, and this year is no different. So there's that. Um, we get to our some of our bigger games. Oklahoma State at Boise State. Boise State coming out with the all blues. 
pretty big nine o'clock game or eight o'clock game uh, in Boise, Idaho. Do the Cowboys get upset? Cowboys have not impressed me. Even though they're 2-0, they have not impressed me. Spencer Sanders is their leading rusher, if that tells you anything about that team. Uh, give me Hank Bachmeyer, another beer that I would drink. I would drink a Bachmeyer. Give me Boise State. Woo! Dylan, going with the Boise State. They're three and a half point favorites. It's not game. the spiciest take. Hey, no, that is. You're going anti-Oklahoma State. I like it. And I'm buying it. I'm buying it. I, I In the beginning of the year, I did not pick Oklahoma State to lose this game. I thought they would win this game. They haven't looked good. They haven't looked great at all. The O-line has struggled. The running game hasn't gotten going. Spencer Sanders hasn't looked like he's gotten any better from last year. This defense has not looked good either. Oklahoma State's troubling, and this is where they really show it's yikes season for the Oklahoma State Cowboys. And Boise has looked pretty good. Boise's looked really good. They're pissed they didn't get an invite to the Big 12. Boise upsets Oklahoma State and their takes galore. Um, Big 12, the Big 12 season starts with this game right here. Baylor at Kansas. Does Kansas finish off their Texas trip around the sun? The last Texas team they have yet to beat in the past decade is Baylor. Do they, do they accomplish it here? If there were any year to do it, it would be this year. Uh, we've we talked about it on the pod. Gary Bohannon is not good. However, Tristan Ebner is very good. Um, I think it'll be a lot closer than the line even predicts. I think it'll be a, a really close, grinded out game. But I think in the end, Baylor Bears. So here's the thing. I don't know what to make of this game. I really don't. I don't know what to make of this game. Kansas looked pretty bad against South Dakota, even though they won. And though they lost, the final score says they lost big to Coastal Carolina, they played them really well for three quarters. Played them really well for three quarters. This Kansas team is for real. Baylor has not played a serious team yet. Um, but though Gary Bohan is not any good, he can launch that thing, and Kansas secondaries cannot handle that. Baylor in a close one. But Baylor does win this game. Um, and the people that bet the over on Kansas' win total – there's really only three games Kansas has a shot at winning. They won one. The only two left is Baylor and then next week against Duke. So people that bet the over, which the over over under was one and a half, people that bet the over are going to be praying for Kansas to win this game. They're going to have to wait another week, I think. Um, Baylor, by a, by a field goal. By a field goal. Last but not least, the only game that matters, the game that we all that everybody's going to be watching before we get into it, who is your, who will be the Texas Tech Offensive Player of the Game in this game? I mean, you're going to give me crap for this answer, but it's the right, it's the oh, correct duh. answer. Come it's on the same now. answer I've had for three weeks. <laughs> we cannot have this answer for 12 games this it's, year. I, you asked me who it was going to be, and I'm telling you it's going to be Eric Izukanma, but go ahead and give me someone else, please. Miles Price season. Baby. I'm here for it. Miles Price gets his first. Um, I'm gonna give him 90 yards, five receptions for 90 yards and two touchdowns. Miles Price. Um, yeah. I'm here for it. That's that's what he's that's what he's gonna do. I'm I'm gonna go ahead and give it to him. Book it there. Uh, Miles Price. I'm I'm all on board. I think I think we're gonna spread the ball around a little bit more in this game. I think that they've Cumby. I I. 
Crumbly, if anything else, one of the things he's very different than Yostin is that he is, I believe, he's willing to look in the mirror and make adjustments. We'll see if that's actually true or not this game against FIU. But give me Miles Price in this game. Who is your Texas Tech defensive player of the game? You know, I'm looking at the defensive line to dominate in this game. Um, We've seen some pass rush. We haven't seen, you know, a dominating pass rush. So give me Jalen Hutchins. Jalen Hutchins, I I actually think that the FIU O-line is pretty good. I don't know how much pressure we're really going to get on Bortenschlager. Um, but I do think the secondary is going to come up big. I think they're going to work really hard. I've already predicted that DeMarcus Fields is going to get an interception in this game, so I'm going to stay true to that, and I'm going to choose him as our defense player of the game. I also think Reggie Pearson is going to play really good, but that that would have – Reggie Pearson seems to be one of the best players on our defense every game, so that's not really a take in itself. So, But I'm, I'm going to go DeMarcus Fields as a defense player of this game. And I think if DeMarcus Fields and Miles Price are the two players of the games, that means the Tech's, Tech's blowing this team out. So in our last prediction – I'll actually go first in this one because it's pretty obvious where I'm going. I think it's a Tech win. I think Tech actually gets wins with the uh, and covers. It's a 20-point spread in this game in Tech's favor, and they cover. I think they win this game by four touchdowns. Uh, oh, a little more confident than I am. I, I do think yep, we four touchdowns. I do think we win this game, but I don't know if I'd say we cover. I could see this being a one-two possession game. 40, no, 38 to 10. 38 to 10. That's, yep. Because, look, I my my thing is, and the reason I have it like this, is just that I think the tech comes out, the coaches have yelled at them for the past week about how crappy they were against SFA. We've talked about it, and they fix their playing down to competition. I think they fix it, they go out, they bust FIU in the mouth, and they show just how good this team can be. I'm also predicting this because I've talked all offseason about how good this team potentially is. They cannot let me down now. Another 28-22 game, that's just – I'm going to shut up forever. Uh, because this It'll is, be a rough season it, if that happens. It'll be rough. It'll be rough. So 38-10, Texas Tech wins. Uh, who do you have, Dylan? Does Tech win and do they cover? Tech wins. They do not cover. Do not – so you got a, cl- a closer one. Yeah. In the experts. Yeah. Thing. One or two possession game. Oh, my goodness. That's you – want, you want Tech fans to, to really – I don't want Struggle them to. I just historically, having been a tech first. fan for a number of years now, I, I know how it goes. Dylan Smythe hates himself, but Correct. fair. Yeah, I do. I do. <laughs> yes, <Yeah>, fair. <laughs> but I'm ready to get hurt so, again. Yeah. Yo, so, yeah. So, in this, I'm a little bit more optimistic than Dylan is. I don't know how to feel about that. I guess because Jeremy's not on the pod, somebody had to fill in his space. So, I will be that guy. But I think tech wins by four touchdowns. And we respond really well. I do think we talked about this pre-pod. This game is a little bit of transitive property game. Uh, FIU played Texas State, went to overtime against them. Texas State did lose to Baylor in a close one, 29-28. They also played Long Island, like we talked about earlier. Long Island lost to West Virginia, got blown out by West Virginia. Um, but this is kind of a way to kind of gauge yourself against like-minded teams, against teams that other teams in your conference have played. Um, a 38 to 10 victory over FIU, which is virtually the same team as Texas State, uh, versus Baylor, who will beat Texas State by nine, kind of shows you that okay, well, we're, we played better against this team, so that's good to see. But a one touchdown game, like you're saying, Dylan, that would be a little bit of a struggle. And really, Baylor's one of the worst teams in the Big 12. It'll also say that we are also one of the worst teams in the Big 12, and that non Red Raider fans were right and we were wrong. And that sucks. Or 
you know, we, we, we scrape by on the chin, hair on our chinny chin chin, and then we go play real competition, discover we are decent at football. So what you're saying is we play down to competition again, but then play up to everybody right. else. And that very well could happen. That's kind of been the Wells brand for his two years here. Mm-hmm. So anything else you wanted to say to the people? If you decide to go to the game in Austin, get at me. Let me know. Let's let's take over the city. For sure. Before taking over the city in Austin, make sure to take over the city in Lubbock. Um, pack out the Jones again because it's the season is important. It is important to show the tech fans show out. A lot of people were at the game against SFA, but it was the quietest sixty five thousand capacity I think I've ever heard through the TV. We. I get it. The football team was a big reason for that, but it was even it, w- it wasn't even loud in the first quarter. Maybe it's because the youth don't know how to be really to really support a quality football team because tech football hasn't shown to be a quality football team in the past decades. So they don't know how to be those, Maybe those that's damn millennials. <laughs> they don't. These are Gen yeah, Zers. I know. Okay, don't but I know, on. but everyone blames millennials, and I did my old man voice. So that's true but yeah that's that's really what it is these gen zers don't know how to support football because they don't know what good football looks like they're like what's Um, a shack (laughs) shack dad is this a you grew up watching (laughs) (laughs) he's a dj how long has he been in the music business (laughs) dad isn't that kazam you show me that old video (laughs) old movie uh, this time it's Waka Flocka. Maybe the youth. So they go from their dad's ba- favorite basketball player to their older brother's favorite rapper. It's kind of where it's it's going now. So we got Waka Flocka this week. So make sure to go pack out the Jones, turn up in Raider. Well, actually, no, that was not in Raider Alley, but it's it's somewhere on campus. Um, and yeah, we'll see just how good or bad this team is. So for Dylan, our su- producer extraordinaire, this is Albie. You've listened to the Tortillas and Takes podcast. Powered by Guns Up Nation, as always, stay wrecked, people.